will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Tried to explain 
Have you ever tried to explain this world that we live in to a child? Have you ever tried to sit down with a child, or one you're teaching, or one, one you love, you're related to, and try to explain why bombs are being dropped on the Middle East? Or why there are Nazis marching in the same place as where you took them last year to get papooses? Or have you ever tried to explain how a person who lies and assaults and insults and hates can be elected to one of the highest offices in the land? Have, have you ever tried to explain to them why they should be good people? How they, should, how they should be good people in a world where there is so much bad. Where they see people who look like them, shot by police or murdered by vigilantes or run over in rallies. I may, Maybe you too, I pride myself in being a person who is good with words. But there are no words good enough to explain why things are the way they are and what we are to do about it. It's just too much sometimes. It's too big. It's just too overwhelming. And maybe you don't have to make this world make sense to children, but I ask you this. How do you make sense of this world yourself? Do you hide from it? Do you tell yourself that everything is fine? Do you convince yourself that you're doing everything you can and then make excuses when you're not actually doing everything you can? Like, do you know what to do, like today, right at this moment, to help at all make this world a better place? Do you know how to be a good person? Are you a good person? <clears throat> what does a good person in this world even look like? And what would they tell you if you had time to sit down with them and listen to them? What if for a season, this good person could be for us just this old white guy with a zip-up cardigan and blue tennis shoes who played with puppets. Is this the guy? Is, is this quiet dude staring into a camera and talking slowly about crayons? Is this the guy who could stand up to our very worst? Mr. Rogers made it seem so easy, so casual to know how you're feeling, to be comfortable in your own skin. But we all know it's not easy. It takes a whole lot of work to do that, which is exactly what Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was all about. He was showing us how to do that work. In a time like this, Fred Rogers has something that we desperately need. He created a template for how to recognize your feelings. He taught us to plant seeds in our lives, seeds that were supposed to blossom into safe and healthy and caring and loving feelings for ourselves and then for all of our neighbors. 
And then he had three decades worth of television to show us this, to convince us, to guide us, to, to convince us into making the kind of world that we dream of. And yet, here we are in a world that is nothing like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You might have noticed recently that there's been this explosion about Mr. Rogers. Like all this Mr. Rogers nostalgia going around, tons more books than ever, movies, documentaries, <coughs> podcasts, sermon series. I'm curious about it. Like, why now? Why? Fred has been dead for almost 20 years, and there are suddenly now all these movies and documentaries. Why is it that generations of adults are all having this sort of nostalgia moment right, right now? Ashley Ford, a notable memoir and editorial writer who makes her living by thinking deeply about how people feel and trying to communicate something about how that impacts their inner lives and outer lives, she, she contemplates this. Why now? Why is this Mr. Rogers thing so big now? And so she says that growing up, she was always so fascinated <coughs> by feelings because no one seems to ever want to talk about feelings, and yet we all have so many of them. And so Ashley talks about how she came across in her work the genius of Fred Rogers empathy. We talk about genius in so many capacities, right? And usually it's in areas that we consider quote unquote um, hard. But empathy is, is really hard. And talking to people about empathy and getting people to understand empathy is very hard. And this man was a genius at it. And it was not because of any innate talent he had or, or inclination that you and I don't have but because he valued it and he practiced it and he committed to it. If you think about it, though, being a genius of empathy is a relatively new idea. Because we tend to think of the realm of feelings as not requiring work or clarity or, or discipline. And so Fred Rogers talks a lot about his own childhood about the fact that anytime he was mad or anytime he was sad, anytime he experienced bad emotions of any kind, he was told to buck up or to put on a happy face or you'll be fine, you just have to move on. But the feelings are real and pain is real and pain is human. And empathy is difficult. What Mr. Rogers seems to pull back the covers on, as Ashley Ford explains, is that empathy is difficult primarily because people don't have empathy for themselves. Think about empathy for a second, for just a second. The word empathy is used everywhere today, so much that it, it seems to have lost all of its power, because actually it's a pretty radical idea that we can so closely identify with another person that we can understand their feelings. Most of us aren't even comfortable with our own feelings, our own anger, our own fear, our own sorrow, maybe even certain kinds of happiness. We don't even know if we deserve to be that happy. And, and if we're not comfortable in our feelings, we're not really comfortable 
with ourselves and we're not comfortable with other people's feelings. These are the questions that Mr. Rogers was grappling with. And I don't know if you know it, but these were the questions Jesus grappled with. Fred Rogers is taking a page out of Jesus' playbook. Our scripture today begins with an adverb. Um, meanwhile, it, it, it says, while a, a crowd had gathered, and so it might be good for us to know what happened meanwhile, what happened before it. Just before we meet Jesus talking and teaching to the crowd, Jesus all in one day introduces the Lord's Prayer to his disciples, grants freedom to a man possessed by demons, and then dines at the house of a Pharisee who Jesus notices seems to care a whole lot more about who's going to sit where in accordance to their nobility at the table than he does about the poor begging at the door outside. And so Jesus speaks to that. He speaks directly to the Pharisees. He speaks about his woe is you, and there's this long list of all the woes. Woe is you, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin to quickly whisper in opposition to Jesus as they wait to catch him in breaking the law. These are the first beginning steps towards the crucifixion, and his disciples are terrified, and they're angry, and on top of all their other feelings of related to giving up everything to follow this Jesus guy, with his words and actions, he seems to be inching them closer to their, their death. And they're terrified of an uprising, angry at Jewish leaders who don't seem to get it at all, and still grieving, leaving behind their family for a cause they don't even know if they believe in. And Jesus doesn't say, buck up, you'll be fine, put a smile on your face and press on, keep preaching what I told you to preach. As the crowds are pressing in, Jesus leans over to his disciples and says, I know you're feeling, oh, so much right now. And it's hard to make heads and tails of what I'm doing and where we're going. But don't bottle it in. Don't bury it deep. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, those whose deep feelings and longings and inadequacies are masked by decorum. Because there is nothing hidden that will not be made known. Jesus says, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed off the roofs. Even within the tensions of Jesus' impending crucifixion, he was able to acknowledge the very real pain of those who were surrounding him. And he didn't just acknowledge it. He, he invited it to, to come forth, even if it challenged what he was doing making it clear in his own way that pain is real, and that pain is real because it's human. And in the words of Fred Rogers, living out the faith of Jesus Christ, anything human is mentionable. Why don't we mention it? So go ahead and share your fears and your frustrations and your anger and your grief with me. Anything that is mentionable then will be manageable. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, Jesus says. And you can almost hear Fred's words as we read in our call to worship today. What if I were very, very sad and all I did was just smile all the time? I wonder, after a while, what might become of that sadness? Anything in the dark will come into the daylight. 
What if I were just really, really angry all the time, and all I did was sit and never think about it and never talk about it? What might become of that anger, what you have said in the dark, will be in the daylight eventually. What you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops, and if you don't let it out, it's going to be destructive. So yes, watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood did feel like being an, with an old caring friend. But there was way more going on there than just the warm and fuzzies. It was based on this foundation that pain is real, and what you feel is real because it's human. Fred acknowledged children's very real feelings and walked through those feelings with them taking on the cues of Jesus. Not just Jesus' words about the hidden places within us that we just read, but from the central story of the whole Christian narrative, the story we celebrate today, Epiphany Sunday, still gathered around the manger together, that in Jesus, God takes on humanness and enters the world, and God participates so very personally in human struggles and in fear. And so Fred modeled this divine care intentionally. And he said, unequivocally, when I, when I say what we do through Mr. Rogers' neighborhood is theological, I'm referring to the incarnation, that the greatest gift God ever gave us, the incarnation of Jesus means that humanity is not isolated and is not alone, but that what we feel matters, what we go through, the pain we go through matters, and that there is one who cares and understands our world of sorrow and rejoices in our joy too. I don't know if you knew this, but the very first episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood aired nationally in 1968. And the world in 1968 is a lot like it is now. <laughs> Scary and chaotic and unspeakably violent. There was the war in Vietnam, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, the protests and the uprisings that came after that, anger and confusion that hung over a lot of the adults and in the households, and Fred's revolutionary move was to recognize that their kids were probably feeling it too. They were probably feeding off the energy of the time. And the very first week of the show, when it premiered, had to do with the ruler of make-believe land, King Friday the 13th, building a wall to keep out people and ideas that he didn't want in his kingdom. That's creepy when you think of it in 2020. The people in his kingdom, the other puppets and their characters, send out balloons over the walls that are nice and supportive balloons that say, we like you and we want to get to know you. And they decide that a wall or a barrier may be not a good thing. And this is a conversation happening with four-year-olds. It was 1968, and it's dealing with Vietnam, essentially, but it still seems to resonate more closely than I'm even comfortable with it resonating. <coughs> and, and Vietnam was, was just one of what seemed like a laundry list of dark and difficult news items in 1968, because earlier that summer, Bobby Kennedy was shot and Fred Rogers didn't use this show to distract 
from what was going on or to tell them it was all going to be okay, it was going to be fine, or occupy kids or make them forget or be distracted by the feelings that their parents were obviously feeling as they sat before the television. Instead, Mr. Rogers asked for a primetime special because he understood that even if children were too young to understand who Bobby Kennedy might have been or what was happening, they would feel the energy in their own homes. And so he has Daniel Stripe, the tiger, ask Lady Aberlin, one of the human characters in the neighborhood, to blow up a balloon. She blows up the balloon and, and then he says, let, it, let the air out. And so she blows up a balloon and she lets the air out. And she blows up a balloon and she lets the air out multiple times. And then he says, I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned about your air, Lady Aberlin. What if, what if you blow all your air out of your body and then you won't have any left, just like this balloon? And she replies, but people aren't like balloons, Daniel, because when we blow air out, we get some back in afterwards. And, and Daniel thinks and he's super concerned and he says, but does that happen all the time? Do we always get air back in? And then this puppet drops this monstrous question. I've been wondering, what does assassination mean? For four-year-olds, on air. And this is out of the children's hand puppet. <laughs> Can you imagine in 2020, Regardless of what the big news event is happening at the time, can you imagine any children's television show that's on right now coming up with almost a news special addressing the emotional consequences of what's happening? It does not exist. Nothing like this exists. And this special ran the evening after Bobby Kennedy was, was assassinated and Fred wrote this scene overnight because he knew that this was something that children and their families absolutely needed to hear. And Fred Rogers invented a neighborhood where people got together to talk about the things that confused them and scared them. And he used this place to show viewers what, what they needed to do, the work they needed to do on their emotions and how they experienced their feelings. They have to work through their pain and a part of working through it is mentioning that which seems unmentionable. That's what he was so good at, mentioning that which seems unmentionable because pain is human and anything human is mentionable. And anything that is mentionable will be manageable then. And Fred showed us that empathy begins with ourselves and with our feelings and all that is bottled up inside of us that like Jesus says, will not stay hidden. It's not gonna stay hidden, the dark will come to light and unless we share it and mention it, it will come to light in all kinds of destructive ways. And so quoting a seven-year-old on the show, Fred asks this question, what do you do then with the pain that is inside of you, the hurt that's inside of you, the sadness, the anger that's inside of you, what do you do with it? Clay. There are many things that you can do with clay. Happy things. Sad things. 
table. Got angry. Could just use clay to pound on. Of course, everybody gets angry sometimes. Little people sometimes get ang angrier even than big people do. What do you do when you get angry? What do you you do when the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could bite when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right what do you do do you punch a bag do you pound some clay or some dough do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go it's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want, can stop when I wish, can stop, stop, stop anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this. And know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a woman, and a boy can be someday a man. Clay. So what do you do with the mad that you feel? What do you do with the sadness and the frustration you feel? What do you do with it? Do you have a practice for dealing with it? What do you do with the joy and surprise and the love that you feel? What do you do with it? Over something like 900 episodes, Fred Rogers used the language of Jesus, of children, and make-believe to talk about feelings but this is not light work. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was not a, a simple show. Fred Rogers was not a simple man. He was a disciple and a preacher who did his best work on television. He was a wildly talented musician and composer that could have worked anywhere who wrote songs primarily for four-year-olds. He was deeply involved in transforming the way we think about children and feelings and learning. And he was spiritual, he was radical, he was revolutionary, he was subversive. He was tuned into the deeper level than at a deep, deeper level than most people are, and he was like Jesus. This week, um, many of us at Aldersgate, um, I'm on staff at Aldersgate as I am on here still. Um, we had to wrestle with the mad and the sad that was inside of us um, because on uh, December 23rd, as we were packing up the barn, we had worship a barn. Um, for Christmas Eve for Kingstown. On the 23rd, I got to my phone afterwards, and I had a text message that said um, that the lay leader of um, Aldersgate died unexpectedly that evening uh, from a heart attack while he was running on the spot. Um, it was immediate, 
And, um, and so this, I just have to say, this, this man was just recently elected lay leader. Um, this is, he was brand new. And, but he has been around Aldersgate for the whole time I've been there, 23 years. And is one of the, one of the few people, one of the small crowd of Aldersgate, that always beautifully understood what we were doing here at this church. And there was never a time when I would go to Aldersgate where he wasn't so enthusiastic, so paying attention, so interested in what we were doing here and, 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 the, and the, the, kind of, the kind of community we were creating here. Um, and when he was elected as lay leader um, just like two months before, I was ecstatic. I so excited to be in ministry with him, so excited that he's leading Aldersgate that can support us in a way um, that, that Gosh, so, so, so much love this man. Such a good man. We had his funeral on Friday. Um, and I, I thought the whole time as this funeral was happening, I thought um, there's so many different emotions going on. I was hearing people say um, how sad they were. I was hearing people say how angry they were. He was um, about in his, in his early 50s. And, um, and it was completely unexpected. And he had young boys. Um, and his brother is giving his eulogy and what happens during services normally at Aldersgate is they have a big chimes on uh, their, their, they have chimes that happen every hour and they're very loud. But for services on Sunday morning or for a funeral, they turn them off um, because that's, you know, in the middle of a sermon, now all you hear are bells, right? So you have to turn them off so that they don't happen during the service. But somebody had forgotten to turn them off um, for this funeral. And um, so all of a sudden, there's a little bit of frantic among the people there as they're realizing that the chimes are overtaking the eulogy and you can't hear anything as the chimes are, you can't stop them. Um, and we kind of sat there and then we listened to what was playing, like we're, we're trying to figure out how do we turn them off and um, we're listening to what was playing and it was, it was so remarkably perfect. And so in the background, we could hear um, this song, Nearer My God to Thee. And um, us that knew him well um, just started to, to tear up as we thought um, a man who so embodied, um, so embodied this way of Mr. Rogers. He was the one who was in the room who always said the unmentionable. He would pop the bubble when you knew there was an elephant in the room. He'd ask the right questions. He was always the one who, mentioned, who, who, was, who would poke at the unmentionable. And then you hear this beautiful hymn. Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me. That's what Jesus becoming human does for us. He comes so freaking close to our pain. And he says that it's mentionable. And if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Would you pray with me? God, we would begin with you. Because if we're honest, we have not mentioned our pain before you as often as we should. 
some of us don't know what we're feeling even. Because we're so used to moving through life at such a speed that we don't stop and feel what we're feeling, the weight of life, the joy of life. And so we just stop and we feel it. We let that which is human hit us. And then we ponder what we will do with that feeling. Will we stuff it down deep inside now? Will we put on a smiley face? Or will we find a quiet space with you to share it and a close friend to confide in? Will we find a community of people who are not looking for us to put on a smile, but are ready to hear the unmentionable. Because it's all mentionable. God, we confess that often we have not been a community that can hear the unmentionable. We because we don't know what to do with our own feelings, feel burdened when people maybe we call overshare. We confess that we may not have been the community you've called us to be. And so we ask God that you would bring all things that are hidden into the light. You would call us out of our it's okays and I'm gonna be fines into a place that says I really am not fine but I'm here and we pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Ah!